the guys who are running it are always dead. So if you had 24 hours, what would you do? What would you do? I'm asking. Didn't you learn anything this week? <laughs> <laughs> You're not your body. You gotta. You continue living and after you leave your body, and then you have to pay back the karma that you just. Yeah, I know, but that just hurts. But maybe that's that wouldn't be like bad for them because they are doing so much harm. Right. But you'd have to kill. Like you'd have to kill. There'd be so many people to kill who are doing harm. Like. You know, there was a, there's a very famous uh, scripture in India. It's called the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. And have you heard of this, Srimad Bhagavatam? Yeah, didn't you talk about it? No, I was talking about the Bhagavad Gita. Ah, okay. But there's another one called the Srimad Bhagavatam. Okay. And what happens in it, the, basically the Srimad Bhagavatam, what it is, is a conversation between uh, a king uh, whose name was Maharaj Pariksit and Sukadev Goswami. And Sukadev Goswami was uh, the son of Srila Vyasadeva. Srila Vyasadeva was the one who uh, compiled all the Vedic scriptures. Okay, so he, Sukadev Goswami was a great uh, spiritual master. So uh, Maharaj Pariksit, he, got, he was a king. He was a, a great king. That's what Maharaj means. He was a great king and he got bit by a snake. And this particular snake bite, he knew he had seven days to live. And so, what did he? What do you think he did? Went and killed all the bad guys, or <laughs> what he did is he went to uh, find. He went. He asked around, "Who's the the greatest spiritual master here that I can learn from? Because I, I now I'm going to leave this world. I need to prepare for it." So I need to know what to do. Yeah. So everyone said, "Oh, you should go see Sukadev Goswami." So he went to to Sukadev Goswami, and they talked for the next seven days straight. And the Srimad Bhagavatam is a con is that conversation. It's the scriptures. Oh. It's that conversation. Yeah, it's really really cool. Yeah. And uh, so that's what he did. He spoke about it was, it was basically. Talking about this world and uh, and talking about God and these different how to attain God and so it was 
it's a very it's a really really cool scripture to read it's like it, it comes in a the person who translated it into English was the spiritual master of my spiritual master and there's 12 what's called cantos or 12 sections of it but he he only translated 10 because the last two he didn't get to finish because he left this world but we have the 10 10 10 out of the 12 cantos translated into English and you can buy them like online and uh, it's a really really cool read but also you should read the Bhagavad Gita yeah. Yeah. and I can I, it, it's, you can you can it might be difficult for you to understand I mean it's really meant to be read under the guidance of a spiritual master but um, you can try and, and there's like purports, explanations of the verses. But still, even that, it's very difficult. The first time I read it, I, there was not very much that I understood. <laughs> but, but there were some interesting things that I understood and I thought that was cool. And, and then I read again, the next time I understood more and understood more. <clears throat> um, I remember the, the, the whole, I read the whole book and the only thing that I understood was this. There was an example given in one of the explanations that it was a concept that I've never like considered and I thought it was very interesting. It said that you know when you when you water if if a tree could take the if it, you know see how it's raining, right? If it if it, if the leaf of a tree was selfish and took the water for itself, then and didn't give it to the root of the tree, then the, tr the, the leaf would starve, right? Because the leaf, in order to be nourished, it has to give the water to the, the root of the tree, right? So, uh, so we, the living beings, we should use what we have, not in our service, but the service of God. And we use what we have in the service of God then we become happy and we become satisfied. But we take that same thing and we use it for ourselves. Yeah. We don't get, we don't become happy. Yeah. You see? So that's the only thing I really understood. And I just thought it was really interesting and really cool. Yeah. And uh, now, I, now I understand it because I know it's true because from direct perception, from experience. Yeah. But, but then it was just a concept to me. It was like something I just heard and I, was, I thought it was quite quite just interesting and yeah. a whole different way of looking at things, you know. But I read the whole book cover to cover and that's the only thing that jumped out at me, you know. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have so many <coughs> metaphors and pictures and what you want to say? I feel, I feel everybody who's been talking, they have so many pictures. It's so easy to understand it when you put it like that. Yeah, that's the way we learn it, that's why. Yeah. We learn this way. Yeah. From our teachers, we learn. What I'm saying, pretty much everything I, I say, I just, it's not something I came up with myself, I just pass it, pass it on that I've learned, you know? Yeah. And, but my teacher, he didn't make it up either. He learned from his teacher. Yeah. And then his teacher learned from his teacher. It's, that's called disciplic succession or parampara. Yeah. It's the way the yoga system, the yoga knowledge is passed down. Yeah. And it's not changed, it's, it's handed down like this. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, and the original source of the disciplic succession is Krishna. So, this is um, this is the way the yoga system is is learned. You you must find a qualified guide, a qualified spiritual master to learn from, and then he passes it down. How did I find? I found it because I desire to. You desire to, then God, He arranges it so you come in. There's a saying, uh, by the grace of God, one gets Guru, and by the grace of Guru, one gets God. So if you have the desire to, to know the truth, to know who you are, to know what this world is about, and to be successful in life, in other words, not waste your life, then God is in your heart. And he sees that. He's, he knows your desire. So he arranges things internally and externally so you come into contact with someone that can help you guide, someone who can help you um, come back to him. You see? Yeah. So there's, a, there's another saying, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Have you heard that one before? It has, it has to do with you. If, you're, if you sincerely want to know, then... God will show you in your heart, you know, He'll direct things and He'll show you and when you hear it, when you hear something that's true, it'll resonate with you in your heart and you say, yes, that's true, yeah. you know, in your heart, you can feel that I know this is true. It's so weird because when you say this, I think, I think about when we, like, cooked this routine, we didn't know that it was There's no coincidence. That's, we felt it. Yeah, yeah, you felt it was, but it happens like that, you know. You know, for me, I'll tell you this. For me, when I was when I was like 15, 14 years old, I started having this growing feeling in me that what I'm doing with my life, what my parents are are telling me to do, and what my teachers are telling me to do. There's something missing. It's not right. It's not true. It's 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 for lack of a better word, just bullshit. And you know, because what they teach you, what my my dad was telling me, my dad was teaching me, what my teachers were te teaching me was the same thing. And it was that the goal of life is to be the guy who's opening the door to a Mercedes Benz with a beautiful house in the background and a and then, you know, membership at a nice golf club and, you know, this is the goal of life. If, you, if you've achieved that, then you've achieved everything there is to achieve, yeah. right? You've, you're, that's what they call a success in life. Yeah. You've succeeded. <laughs> so, um, but my dad, he was one of those guys, you know. He had nice cars and he had a membership at a nice golf club and he had a nice, you know, high-paying job. And, and uh, he'd come home from work and... He'd be miserable. He'd complain about how we don't appreciate anything and how he... And he just comes home and he just watches TV and, and drinks beer and just watches and flips through the channels. You know, he doesn't even know he's watching. He's just flipping, flipping, flipping. And just drinking and trying to forget his miserable life. So so he's telling me to be like him. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'm thinking, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> and then my teachers are telling me to be like him. And... And... It's, it's very difficult for me to believe what they're saying because 
I have that, but my dad has that, and he's miserable, so I want to be happy. Yeah. And I remember I, I, I told my teacher this, but I want to be happy, and this isn't, you know, what is this? What did, what did I say? So my teacher said this. I'm talking about my teacher at school. Yeah. He said, well, it's better to be rich and miserable rather than poor and miserable. And I thought about it and I said, you know what, that's nonsense. If you're miserable, you're miserable. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. I'd rather be poor, if, if it means uh, being happy, if, poor, if being poor means being happy, then I'd rather be happy and poor than rich and miserable. Yeah, yeah. You know? Happiness is the goal, not richness, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, what's, what, what good is being rich if you're, gonna, if you're miserable, right? It doesn't make sense. So I had a clear kind of understanding that I wanted to be happy in life. And so, then, you know, but what, what I really liked at that time in my life was skateboarding. That's what I wanted to do, you know. When, when I wasn't in school, I, when I was in school, I was thinking about skateboarding. And when I was, um, I, I had no school, I was skateboarding. That's what I was doing, you know. I, that's, that's what was fun to me. So I was thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to do less and less school and more and more skateboarding. And then I'll be happy. So eventually I just did no school and all skateboarding. And... <laughs> And then I just kind of traveled around with my skateboarder friends and we went to different cities and lived there and skateboarded. And, and I was doing that. That's all I was doing. I was doing everything I wanted to do. I was yeah. still empty though. Yeah. I was still feeling like, oh, this is, I'm more empty than before. Because before at least I thought if I, if I attain this, if I do the skateboarding thing, then I'll be happy. Yeah. But now I was doing what I wanted to do and I had no other thing I wanted to do. This is what I wanted to do. And I was feeling, wow, I'm really empty now. I'm really, like, I'm really, I'm even more miserable than before. I was very sad, you know? So I was thinking, back then, uh, you know, psychology was, people were going to psychologists quite often in, for their, their miserable life, you know, and trying to get better. So I, I was just thinking, maybe, I'm just thinking about it wrong. I have everything I want, I'm just not appreciating it, right? So, I started reading books on, I became like a library rat. I was just reading books on psychology and, and a, seeing a psychologist and trying to, you know, fix the problem, you know. Yeah. And, and one day, so this went on for about a year, year and a half, I was really into the psychology. I was preaching it to my friends. I was excited about it. Yeah. Uh, it hadn't worked yet, but I was just, you know, I, I, when I read it, I was like, yes, this is, you know, I believe this, you know, and, well, to a degree anyway, and, and then, so, one day I was in a coffee shop, and I was just, I had a newspaper there, and I was just looking at it, and there was this article on suicide, and it listed the top 10 professions that are highest in suicide. Number one. Okay, I'll give you number two first. Number two is dentists. I forgot the other ones, but number one. Doctors of psychology. What? Yeah. <laughs> number one, yeah. In this article that I read, and I, I, I googled it recently, it just says doctors. But 
in this article, it, it was spe- it specified which kind of doctors, the doctors of psychology. And, uh, and I was like, what the fuck? It's, it's, it really spun me out. I was like, these are the people that are trying to explain to you how to be happy and they're committing suicide. And then I, I did a little bit more research and I found out like the father of modern psychology, his name was Sigmund Freud. Yeah. And he committed suicide. So I'm like, this is what this is who I'm learning from, how to be happy. And then I, so I abandoned it. I was like, "Fuck this! This is bullshit." I, I haven't experienced anything from the year and a half of me practicing my positive thinking, you know. And it didn't really, it didn't do anything for me. I'm still empty. So I said, I, you know, I at that after I read that article and found out about Sigmund Freud committing suicide. I, I was really lost. I was 19, and I was, I was, I felt really, really lost, and really, like I had a strong desire in me to not, to, to, to dedicate my life to being happy. It was a clear goal in my head. I wanted to be happy. I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to be happy, you know? And everywhere I looked, in every direction I looked, it was a dead end. The rock stars are committing suicide. The psychologists are committing suicide. Um, you know, I, w- I was doing what I wanted to do and I still wasn't happy. And I, I broke down. in my. I remember in my room, I broke down and I cried. And there's something I wasn't accustomed to doing. I prayed to God, please show me how I can be happy because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I can do it. And then not a week after that, I was always interested... Let me just take a step back. I was always interested in meditation. Uh, from when I was like 14, 15, I was, I was quite interested in it. And, uh, but the, and I, I was actually trying, I was practicing a particular meditation where you observe the mind. Yeah. I was doing that for about maybe two years. And uh, it didn't really have too much, it didn't help me at all really, but... I just thought, like, if I kept doing it, I would reach some kind of point. I didn't really know what I was looking for either. I was just someone. I went to a class and I learned the meditation, and I kept practicing it, you know. But then I came across a flyer for this meditation class, you know, that teaches what I'm doing now—the mantra meditation. So I went to the class, and it was, it was really, uh, you know, it, it was quite nice. I just learned the Japa Yoga and the Kirtan and the Goranga or Nitai Gore breathing exercise and that was basically it you know it was a, quite a easy class and and I went home and I practiced the meditation and the next class was on a Sunday so I, I went back to that and then uh, I watched a video of uh, who's now my guru speaking on karma and reincarnation and it was something that I was always very interested in karma and reincarnation I read a lot of books about it but I could never understand what I was being taught. It was just really confusing. I, I didn't have a clear understanding, but I watched like a 25 minute video of this person speaking and I understood it, you know? Yeah. In 25 minute video, I understood way more than I did for years of reading, of yeah. trying to read about it, you know? Yeah. And, and so I just like, wow, this is really cool. And I just kept coming back. I really wanted to learn more and more, you know? Because I was after knowledge, I wanted to learn about what was going on, and I, I really wanted it, you know.